are quite good. Attack warning, Fred. Attack warning. Is it for real? Attack warning for bloody real. Live from Colorado Springs, the Drop Culture Podcast. Want to confirm? Is this an exercise? Roger, copy. This is not an exercise. Come on, quick, get down. One, two, three. Welcome, everybody, to the Drop Culture Podcast. We're that podcast where we pick up that piece of pop culture you forgot about or missed, shine it up real nice, and cram it in your ear holes. I'm joined today, as every day, by the indomitable Brock Smith. It's my spirit, the indomitable snowman. (laughs) The abominable, abominable. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> the indomitable snowman <laughs> and i'm dan and tonight uh we are gonna get um into some music brock what are we doing tonight we are actually gonna cover our favorite albums from the 1960s Ooh, top five of the entire decade it is a very very hard thing to do it really is kind of quantify everything into five I don't know why we've always really kind of rolled with five, but it works, you know? Well, here's the here was our reasoning for doing five, um, especially when it was three of us or four of us at a time. Top 10 takes a long time when you're rolling through three or four people. Um, (laughs) But we've, what we found is that the top five lets us have a good amount of content, but still, even if there's an overlap, you know, it's not too short, but it's not, you know, four hours long either. Yeah, going through, you know, 30 different fucking things. Exactly. <laughs> Even though it's a top 10. So, mm-hmm. yeah. How how easy did you find it to nail down your five? I feel like I have a lot of honorable mentions. Um, yes. And then what I decided is obviously these lists are very subjective. There are. 100%. So yes. I started making it more about me. Like top five to mm-hmm. me. Yep. And, you know, whether that's because that's what I was exposed to or um, it was something I picked up early. So it may not be like what other people might consider their top five, even of some of the same bands. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah, it's to me, I felt the same way. I was like, I'm not going to do it in a general sense because then it's going to end up like a fucking, you know, Rolling Stone, you know, mail in vote or some (laughs) shit. Right, right. (laughs) so it was like you know what i'm gonna do it on my favorite albums from that decade i'm gonna do and it I'm, my way in the way that i picked up was straight through my um whatever's on my phone pretty okay. much my library you know sure and i know there's going to be a lot uh that are missed where i'm going to be like ah why didn't i put that one on there that was way better than that but honestly, I'm happy with my list because I really do enjoy what is on it. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Those are the albums that I can listen to over and over again. And I have noticed that that's something that I do a lot. Sure. You know, and I, and I know a lot of people do the same thing. It's just listening to those over and over again. Yeah, I think for me, there were some where I'm like, this really defines my thoughts on the 60s. Um, yes. Or this is something that changed something in the sixties that was in a positive way to me, you know? Yeah. Yeah. There's so many bands that, that kind of came up in 1969 as well Sure, that I noticed. Um, and the seventies, again, it seemed like there was more, um, more records that came out like at the very beginning of the seventies that I was like, Oh shit. I thought that was the sixties, you know, Sure. kind of in a way, you know, yeah, it was yeah. like, Oh, that still has that same kind of feel, you know? Well, yeah. And, so, I, and there's like multiple, like in some of the ones that I chose, um, it's like, there's multiple albums within that. 
And some of them span, yeah. you know, from that artist that span yes. between the 60s, 70s, whatever, 50s for some of them, I think. Um, but these, again, these were the albums that were important to me, you know? Right, right, right. Well, I'd go ahead and start it off if yeah. you wanted me to. Well, this, are, are these in a numerical value? Do you have like a five to one kind of? Yes. Vibe yeah, yeah, definitely. Okay. Five to one, just like the doors. Um, well, again, kind of looking at all of the major artists that were throughout the the 60s, like the Beatles, um, CCR, you know, in the last part of the decade, sure. the Doors, Jimi Hendrix, things like that, right? Right. I kind of, I, I looked at my number five and I thought, okay, I want it to be something that I really enjoy. And the one that I really picked came out in 67. Um, and it was Aretha Franklin's I Never Loved a Man the Way I Love You. Like, I fucking love that record. All the Absolutely. way through, I can listen to it over and over and over again. And of course, you know, um, when it comes down to like Aretha Franklin and shit like that, I mean, you do have uh, Diana Ross and the Supremes, you have the Shirelles, you have all of those other Motown, you know, artists that kind of came up in the 60s. It was very hard to, I don't know, kind of take something that had that Phil Spector wall of sound, you know, I mean, because there's so many songs that define the 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 whole 60s you know that you can look at from a lot of those artists like that and i really think that aretha franklin by going to muscle shows recording the album that she did with that um you know all white soul group really did transcend so many different things and she was on her best you know sure so whenever i listen to that record i can freaking it, it can be on repeat for three days in a row and i don't give a shit you know um, the instrumentation is wonderful. The the singing, it's Aretha Franklin for Christ's sake, you know. I mean, I mean, you cannot beat any song that's on that record with a lot of the, you know, um, California Dreamin'. Sure. You know, <laughs> there's a there's a lot of that, you know, Laurel Canyon type shit. There's a lot of, you know, the Beach Boys stuff, and I mean, you really can. You could put like pet sounds up there in the in your top five, but then again, you look at it and you're like, okay, yeah, pet sounds is a great record from the Beach Boys, um, arguably probably one of the greatest of all times. But at the same time, how did that one affect me the most? Right, sure. You know, this one um, as my number five, like completely 100. Um, I I will put even in my top ten of all time. You know, I think this is really up there. I I think so far in my life, I have two, no, three in my top 10 of all time. And this is one of them, you know, I could totally Uh, see that. And uh, and to be fair, Aretha Franklin's on my list um, for this show and for another one, as far as my honorable mentions, Um, because I think that that was definitely something that helped shape music as a whole. Oh, yeah, big time. You know what I mean? Yeah. The, the shit that they were doing at Stacks, the shit that they were doing in Muscle Shoals, the, the shit that they were doing in Motown, uh, just that whole entire decade really did. It, it said, okay, we're going to have this ensemble of these great musicians. They're all going to come in and they're going to kick ass, you know, behind, you know, people like Sam and Dave and you know, Aretha Franklin and uh, Sonny and Cher, weird shit like that. You know what I mean? But each one of them, um, had their own place in the country that they're like, okay, we got Midwest, we got the fucking South, we got fucking, you know, we got the West Coast, you know, where things were happening at that point, you know. Um, Absolutely. And and I think Muscle Shoals was a was one of the most iconic places, of course. I mean, I know that the uh, the Stones recorded Brown Sugar there, I think, and a couple of other ones for Sticky Fingers. Yeah. Um. A- after their their Altamont Speedway deal, uh, which was on the documentary. Um. So, but anyway, that that is my number five. Um. What is your number five? My number five is um, kind of in that same time frame of uh, 
that you were talking about, like 68, 69. And that was At Folsom Prison by Johnny Cash. Hello, I'm Johnny Cash. I hear the train a coming. It's rolling around a bend. It's I mean, a great fucking record. And, and to go record an album in a prison, like, and you could almost say the same as at at San Quentin, and they're both great albums, but this is probably one that I've listened to. This is, Folsom Prison Blues was actually a song that I taught myself to play right-handed on a guitar. Nice. <laughs> um, and I play left-handed. So, yeah. Yeah. So it's uh, a fucking great record, man. It is. It's one of those that stands the test of time, you know. Um, and Cash was, you know, late fifties, early sixties, you know, and to come with something like this, a live album of all things, you know, and really blow the doors off of everybody, it's still iconic to this day, you know. Absolutely. Even most of his his greatest hits that came out about that time too, you know. Sure. I mean, he he was always badass and i think everybody really kind of gets into a johnny cash kind of a um not necessarily i would say phase but more of a this is a johnny cash like listening journey you know what i mean sure i've I've listened to a cash uh, like my whole life like i feel like it just was around a little bit you know and then um and my dad specifically listened to like a lot of older country you know yeah so then that yeah. was just kind of around. And then I, you know, as I got older, I started like digging into that a little bit. I'm like, these yeah. are the songs. Like I'm very, as we've talked in the past, like I have not just me, you as well, or we wouldn't do the show together, but we have a, <laughs> a wide sense of, of music. You know what I mean? It's not, um, right. Niche necessarily. <laughs> no, um, no, 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 which no. is one of the things I enjoy, but one of the things that drives people who like ride with me in my car are nuts. Cause it's like, you know, <laughs> it's like, Oh, this is Tennessee Ernie Ford followed by uh Sean Paul, you know, yeah, followed right, by, right, right. you know, black Sabbath. Okay. This makes no <laughs> sense. My brain's going to explode. Um, right. you know, and then you got talking heads, you yeah, know, exactly, I'm, exactly. Kind of, kind of had that argument the other night with my wife, cause we were sitting in my office and I just have it on random, you know, shuffle. So songs are coming up, you know, LCD sound system, and then Mission of Burma, you know, just shit was just popping up randomly. And my wife was like, man, I don't really like that song. I, I like this. I'm like, just let it go. Just right. let it roll <laughs> with it because it's so eclectic that you're going to hear something that you like, even though you don't really. It's like a deep cut, like an yeah. arcade fire deep cut from the suburbs that come on. So that's and, my problem is that like on Spotify, like I have my list. I don't create like little playlists. It's like all in one big list. You know what I mean? And uh, right. I don't collate that in any way. It's just in the order that I downloaded them in some random time. You know what I mean? Or I randomly thought of this song and added it to it, you know? Right, so you're like, right. Oh, man, when did I put this song on here? You know? <laughs> yeah. There's every once in a while a song will pop up and I'll be like, holy shit, that's really good. Um, but Drop Culture Radio on uh, Apple on iTunes yes. actually does have a lot of our, our mixtape stuff on it. So nice. Uh, honestly, if anybody out there listens to it, you're going to get a very eclectic kind of a mix and there's going to be some Cheech and Chong on there and shit like that. Nice, so, nice. you know, or war, <laughs> but yeah, Johnny cash, I would say, um, it defines a whole, not only a whole era, but a whole era and a whole section of society to me in a way. And it was that edginess that was kind of coming into what was considered to be like wholesomeness, you know, that wholesome music style to some yeah. degree. Um, is that outlaw country? Well, it kind of, bef- yeah, but before there was the outlaw country, you know what I mean? Like right. he was already yeah. like paving the way, if you will. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, shit, wasn't it San Quentin where that, I mean... Who was there? It wasn't Waylon Jennings. It was somebody there else. There was a was bunch it? of people there, I think, for the yeah. for the um, San Quentin one specifically. Yeah. I mean, it's it's like so fucking crazy, you yeah. know? Um, and to think that they changed so many different people with just one of those and said, hey, you do your own thing. And they did it. You yeah. Know? 
Um, inevitably, Johnny Cash leads to the truth, which I think the truth is fucking Hank Williams. You know what I mean? Sure, sure. Eventually, it all leads to some old Hank, you know, the 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 country blues ripoff artist. You know what I mean? <laughs> and he's so fucking good. Um, but yeah, now that's a great that's a great pick for number five. Please, it sir. really does um, kind of round it. Um, my number four, honestly. Mm-hmm. And this one kind of almost bridges that gap. It's uh, Green River by Creedence Clearwater Revival. Green River is fucking awesome. A great album. I know we've dude. talked. We've talked about CCR ad nauseum, but well, you check, I mean, you know, just to throw out in case you haven't heard it, check the archives because we did do a full episode on CCR, right? Um, right. But and I, again, I want to get into Green River, but what almost made my list, but was like the last minute cut, Willie and the Po Boys. So yeah, it's just funny that we both had a you know credence on there. Not really because we both know that we like yeah. it obviously yeah. we wouldn't have done an episode about them yeah we do have a lot where of overlaps whenever it comes down to this stuff and we might have one throughout this list but sure um but anyway green, yeah, river, green just, river just amazing uh there's not a lot to say uh, about how great it is and just in the the amount of work that they were doing or fogarty was doing in that time absolutely was was fucking amazing you know, and then you come out with Green River and Green River is just like, I don't know, Green River and Bayou Country. Yeah, they could have been the same record. They could have sure. been on the same fucking record. But the the blues that he brought to it, the, the fucking slick guitar licks, everything like that. I mean, you just really can't beat it, you know, and they always have like a dark song on yeah, their stuff, yeah, yeah, you know, for sure. And which is really cool. It's like a like a heebie-jeebie song, you know, <laughs> something, <laughs> something fucking crazy, you know. Um, I mean, come on. Green River starts off with, what do we got here? Uh, of course, Green River. And then you got Commotion. Tombstone Shadow is that one dark song, you know. Sure. Um, then you got the ballad, wrote a song for everyone. Bad Moon Rising. Jesus. Lodi. Cross Tie Walker, Sinister Purpose is one of my favorites out of the yeah. whole deal. Um, nighttime is the right time. So how can you how can you fucking beat that? You know, you really can't. I can't, There's not I can't, a lot. I can't really argue with it. Like like I said, that's <laughs> not my favorite album by them. It's but it's like really good. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's like I don't feel like because obviously there was such a small amount of albums they put out really even though they did really a lot in one in a short amount of time like three um, years yeah yeah um but it's like 1a 1b 1c for me like there's three albums <laughs> in there where i'm like yeah, just pick one of those it's fine um, <laughs> right green river's definitely one of those right 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 well what's your uh number four so my number four um i waffled a little bit on this one um in the beginning and that is Are You Experienced by Jimi Hendrix. Whatever it is, that girl put a spell on me. Now let me tell you why it's... I waffled on this one. Okay. Because I like Axis. Oh yeah. A lot. Like I don't think you can close out a side as good as Little Wing and if six was nine. Like that's oh amazing. It's an amazing close. Yes. But I think this is really what introduced me to Hendrix. Like this was the okay. first Hendrix I really like I had heard Hendrix a lot, like in the background, but I didn't right. know Hendrix. I was hearing Hendrix, but I wasn't listening to Hendrix. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You're told Woody Harrelson. Yeah, I was what, can't yeah jump. exactly. Um, but obviously this is a huge iconic album and, uh, really, this is really what got me into, I would say even really listening to guitar. Okay. You know what I mean? Where I was like, yes, I care. You know what I mean? (laughs) Like, right. Right. right, 
before I was younger, right? And it was all the whole the whole experience together. I wasn't so far into each piece. Right. Where this the guitar stands out so much you can't help but right. pay attention. And then that carried over to any music I listened afterwards. Yes. Does that make sense? Yes, because I, I look at Hendrix almost as far as like mutual or I would say Hendrix is um, musical puberty. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. And, and I've said that before. There's there's a couple of things that will put you over the uh, the edge on that part of it. One of them would be like the Doors and Hendrix and maybe the Stones, you know. But Hendrix for me was the one that was like, oh, okay, like you said. You, you notice it and you're thinking, holy shit, you know, what is this that he's doing? You know, and you still don't get it. Right. You, you gravitate to like Foxy Lady or something like that. And you're like, holy shit. But then it's, it's like, there's so much more. Absolutely. Well, the, was, I think this album is the more like well-known out of all his albums. Yes. Probably. I mean, you start out with Purple Haze, Manic Depression, Hey Joe. Pardon me. Uh, love or confusion. Uh, may this be love. I don't live today. That's side one. You know what I mean? And then yes. you break into the wind cries, Mary fire, third stone from the sun, Foxy lady. And are you experienced to close out the album? Oh. And uh, I'm, I took that journey many times. You know yes. what I mean? Yes. Here lately, I have been listening to a lot more Hendrix, um, except uh, well, yeah, I was listening to the one that came out, the uh, uh, first rays of the new rising sun that came out in '97. Mm-hmm. I really, really, really liked that record. Um, it was kind of like his his lost, you know, the one that he he died right before he actually made. So a lot mm-hmm. of the mm-hmm. instrumentation was there, but the vocals were still not 100%. But I don't give a shit, right? You know, right? What he did with nothing, you know, um, was fucking amazing. And even last night, I think I was watching a couple of his videos and just thinking, Jesus, I mean, if there was ever anybody that personified guitar, it's him. Yeah. You know, um, if if you say, well, who's who's a great guitar player? Everybody automatically is going to be like Hendrix. Yeah. You know, yep. Stevie Ray Vaughan. So, you know, we, you know we've <laughs> I think we've done this on the show before, too. But when you talk about putting together like, you know, your super band um people default to Hendrix but I don't always think Hendrix is the perfect person to have depending on who's in that band. Hendrix is in a league of his own. Yeah. 100%. I mean, he is the pinnacle. I mean, just like if you look at the cover of Axis, right? <laughs> Where right. it's the the Hindu god yeah. Vishnu or whatnot with all the different arms, that's fucking Hendrix. Absolutely. You know, I mean, that's who he is to music. I agree. Absolutely positively. Uh Hendrix was uh, was my thing back in the day. I mean, everything about his music defined me. And every once in a while, there'll be a couple of things that I hear, and I'm like, Jesus Christ! Like, just the opening to "The Wind Cries Mary," you know, the opening to "Hey Joe," just hearing those little bitty ticks that he does with his his uh, guitar, mm-hmm. you know, the the four different parts that he's playing. Also playing them backwards and shit. Right. You know, you're like, Jesus <laughs> Christ, man. I mean, it was just it, everything that he learned and everything that he took from everybody that he ever played with. He he had, what was it, pretty much four records yeah. to really destroy it's from, everybody. Only three studio, right? Three studio, one and live. I yeah. think there was more than that live. I think there was actually well, yeah, three, yeah, three yeah. live, like during that time. Yeah, you you kind of look at Band of Gypsies as his fourth record. Sure, uh, at sure, least I, I do. Yeah, you know, yeah. um, makes sense. and I think that's whenever he was at his best personally. Sure, when whenever it comes down to how badass that was, and that was the transition between sixty nine and seventy, right. and that's what he did. He transitioned that. Um, when you start with Are You Experienced, you're like, holy shit, the sixties started, but that was in what sixty seven. What's that? The I'm sorry. the the, uh, the band of um, electric... No, no, oh. no. Are you experienced? Oh, are you experienced? Did they come out? Yeah, it was sixty-seven, I believe. Yeah, I mean that was fucking that was it. Yeah, you know, and he starts off with that badass shit, and then Band of Gypsies comes along, and he's actually 
talking about Vietnam more, you know, yeah. and then don't you shoot them. You know what I mean? Right. This fucking machine gun. Ah, I don't know. This fucking badass, you know, um, that's a fucking killer. Number four. What's you know, your number three, sir? My number three is one of my favorite records of all time again, but this one will fit into my top 10, but I think it is one of the, it, it is the actual transitional um, album for the Beatles, Rubber Soul, because they went from that, you know, love me do, you know, sure. <laughs> the fucking, ah, <sighs> you know, harmonizing on the yells while the, the girls piss their seats, you know what I mean? Um, and caused the Beatlemania. <laughs> they hit fucking Rubber Soul and Rubber Soul. They put everything out there on that one and said, "Okay, this is how it's going to be from here on out." I was getting ready to say, I think that with Rubber Soul, they made they laid the footprint. In my life, I love you. For what's how coming there... next, you know what I mean. It... Like yeah, this is it, our like you exactly what you said. This is our transitional album. Yeah, everything after this is going to be way different than what you heard before. And it was sixty five. Yeah. So they have Bob Dylan as an influence, just like Hendrix did at the time, just like everybody did at the time. Bob Dylan was fucking magical. You know, he sure. I mean he really transcended Best everything. Street poet and ever. One hundred percent. And you know Him to, to come with this. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. You're right though. Um, I know that's why I but, said it, no, just <laughs> <laughs> but, but to have them be an introspective, like even having a song about how, you know, the first time that John Lennon cheated on his wife, you know, sure. um, and then Paul McCartney's voice was really fucking kicking it at this. And I remember so many times even, um, riding around with my sister and being like, listen to that. That is fucking Paul McCartney singing right there. You right. know, it was still a lot of acoustics. There's still a lot of, um, it wasn't really over the top, you know? And then you, you end it with a hypocritical song called run, run for your life. You know, right. <laughs> I mean, and John Lennon's like, you better run for your life if you cheat on me, but yet I'm going to do it, right. you know, <laughs> in Norwegian wood. And it's totally cool, you know, <laughs> whatever. Um, so there was a lot of that. There was a lot of that change and there was a lot of the, uh, I guess it was the pot smoking and shit like that. But again, that's one of those records that I can look at and and think, holy shit, this kind of, I don't know this, this did something different than Bob Dylan, even whenever he electrified, you know, sure. at the uh, Newport Jazz Festival or whatnot. Um, but still like fucking told everybody, Hey, we're the fucking Beatles, you know? Right. And even, um, uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, Brian, Brian Wilson from the beach boys was like, Jesus Christ, how am I ever going to fucking do something better than this? Well, yeah, of course he comes they, out with pet sounds. Yeah. They were, they were always pushing each other in this time. I think, you know, like they both yeah. wanted to learn from each other almost in a way, you know, both. And I, I say both entities, meaning the Beatles and Brian Wilson. Yes, pretty much. Yeah, <laughs> the rest of the Beatles. Yeah, they had a hand in it, but nothing like Brian Wilson. Brian Wilson was looking. He's at like, I'm doing as... everything. He was like the, f um, Fogarty. Pretty much. You know what you know? I mean? I mean, he was. Yeah. I mean, Brian Wilson was so um, kick ass when it came to songwriting, but what he had was a, a he never straight from the niche almost right you know so there's a lot of songs like sloop john b and things like that they were really good but one to me personally i would really say that rubber soul really kind of captured more of a i don't know it's a fall type of a uh, a record sure you listen to it during the fall you know um you kind of it's about you know the past and it's about letting go of different things and then it's just, it's one of those records that speaks to me more than anything Absolutely. in the whole entire world, you know? So, um, but yeah, that's my number three. Well, spoiler alert, spoiler alert. Later on in this list, there'll be another Beatles album. Surprise. Mm, nice. Nice. Surprise, surprise, that, surprise. surprise that in a list about the 1960s albums. <laughs> Come on. We both have a they Beatles have the, album in there. Yeah. We'll do the honorable mentions after you have yours. Um, but yeah. Yeah. Um, What's your number three? My number three. Okay. So let me preface this. 
I'm going to, my number three is what I think was a total change to music completely in the sixties. Okay. And the other, my two after that are what I think of when I think of 1960s music almost immediately. Okay. So this, but this was something that I think really set a tone for generations to come after it. And we've actually done an episode on that, this, and it's the Velvet Underground and Nico. Okay. That made my honorable mention list. Yeah. Um, yeah. I assume that it probably so was somewhere up there since we did an episode. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, but really definitely. for me, I think this is what let other bands know, hey, you can do whatever you want. You can do, you can push yourself further. You know, right. you don't you don't have to conform necessarily to what's popular right now Um, right and and it's man it's just a great album too across the board and i'm not going to dig too deep into it because you can check out the archives we did a whole episode on just this album i wish that i'd sell the talking seas on a great big clipper ship Yes. Yeah. I mean, come on. It was tremendous. It was, it was them breaking barriers. It was them not wanting to be normal. You know, it was them just saying, okay, take that, that convention out of, uh, what you would really consider music and turn it on its ear. Yeah. Let's do something different. Let's, uh, it it was pop art. It was fucking, it was a Rembrandt, you know, it was a Warhol Um, things like that. Yeah. It was a Warhol. (laughs) No, really it was. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, There were so many things about the Velvet Underground that kicked ass. Yeah. That was, that was one of them. Yeah, listen to the archives for that one. For sure. It's I didn't want awesome. to dig too deep into that because, again, just like CCR, go back and check out right. those yeah. two episodes for sure. Yeah. Um, my number two is something that I have – I discovered later in life mm-hmm. but yet changed my perspective on music um for the better i think and that's uh the stooges i'm not on. surprised my friend no shit and that definitely right? made my my honorable mentions Jesus Christ, you want to talk about a punishing record. You want to talk about somebody that was like, guess what? All that shit that you're doing right now, California dreaming, fuck that (laughs) shit. You know what? I'm going to throw a couple of fucking burgers on the grill. I'm going to kick it over. And then we're going to take shots right afterwards, you know, right. While I run through the fucking quad naked. You know what I mean? I mean, it was, it was so fucking power. You know, it was it was literally raw power before raw power, you know, <laughs> right in the 70s. I mean, Jesus fucking Christ. There is nothing like that record as far as just overall greatness. And this is another one that we did cover, too, of course, in our Stooges episode. But if you haven't by now, listen and listen to the Stooges entire catalog of three records, you know, not including the live ones and shit like that. Right, right. You're Yeah. Um, you're really missing out yeah 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 but that's all i'm really going to say about that one because it is so freaking great you know right right and we do again check out the archives yes yeah so what's your number two my number two is this is a one that again when i think of the 60s this is a band like automatically this album specifically just because i think this was really the first album i heard of theirs because it was just around when I was younger. And that is Waiting for the Sun by the Doors. Made my honorable mention, yes. Um, Came out in 68, (laughs) of course. I think I've always gravitated back to this album. Um, One, one, Five to One, which closes out this album, is one of my favorite Doors songs of all time. Taking all 
Yes. And of course, you have the Hello, I Love You, Love Street, that startup. Not to Touch the Earth is awesome. That's the third song on the album. Jesus, yes. Summer's Almost Gone, Wintertime Love, The Unknown Soldier, also amazing. Uh, Spanish Caravan, My Wild Love. I like this. I'm a. I love this whole album, but the second side I really dig a lot. So yes. Spanish Caravan, My Wild Love, We Could Be We Could Be So Good Together, Yes, The River Knows, and Five to One. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I'm in. I, this is one of those records, honestly, that I will listen to at least once, maybe twice a month. You know, just without stopping it, just oh, kind of yeah. letting it go. And then whenever it gets to five to one, I'm like, Jesus Christ, he told us the truth back in 1968. <laughs> you know what I mean? 100%. It was like, hey, we... Uh, they they got the guns, but we got the numbers. I mean, that just to me that means so much more than than I don't know what I think it maybe would mean exactly what he wanted it to mean. You know, sure. Um, I I always like I I feel the same way um, that that song resonates with me. I don't know if he I I do think I mean he's pretty on the nose with a lot of his lyrics in that specific song, but whether that's exactly what he meant i i don't care this is what i got out of it and yeah and honestly like again it's one of those bands that when i think of the 60s the doors pop to mind um Mm -hmm. obviously you know like we grew up when the val kilmer oliver stone doors movie came out so it had a resurgence around then right so it was like here here's some more just ingrain this more into you you know Um, yeah and you know, there were a lot of good experiences at those times in my life too. Yes. So that, that helps as well. There's something about the doors that is creepy. And <laughs> I'm not saying that in a bad way, but I'm saying it in a way that you're like, holy shit, I'm in the presence of something, yeah, you know, yeah. it's, it's sacred kind of music. It really is. It's, right. it's almost like a, um, and I'm not saying this. All to the be... deaf girls wanted to fuck him. That's what he <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> It, it, I don't know. It's just, it's one of those things that you really like, you have to experience. You don't listen to, you experience it. Um, we always would play five to one back in the day. Um, kind of not necessarily at the end of our shows, but kind of towards the end because it just made so much sense. And just because I mean, the music was cool and then seeing Scott Weiland do it, for the storytellers right really kind of was like holy shit you know he he could have subbed for fucking you know jim orson at that point but sure waiting for the sun is fucking incredible it, you know? and, and again it's, i think this is another one where it was like i don't know if this would be their top doors album if anybody was putting together their list for the 60s top albums but it's mine right. because it, it was mm-hmm. personal to me um and that's it. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. I think it establishes to me in my mind that American rock sound. Yes. That is a little bit different than some of the other things we were hearing at the time, like the Beatles and things like that, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. It, it was, was its own I, thing. It's got its own vibe. It's got its own vibration. Um, there's just something about it that, if, that is, that affects you in a good way to where you're just like, damn, you know, you feel the Doors music, you experience it, you, um, I don't know, you just, you're engulfed in it no matter what. So there's sometimes when I can't listen to it because I'm like, I don't know if I sure. want to feel that way right now. You know what I mean? But with Waiting for the Sun, there's so many different aspects to it. Agreed. It's not like uh, the Doors self-titled. Right. <laughs> you know, that one's got that fucking, that feel all the way through and you're like, Jesus. You're right. Um, but waiting for the sun is one of those that, yeah, you're, you, you kind of sit back and you appreciate more the older that you get, you know, just sure. because everything was in it. That's a great pick for your number three, two, two. All right. So your number one, Brock Smith. Well, uh, let me kind of go back through my, um, first four. So, Number five, I had uh, Aretha Franklin with I Never Loved a Man the Way I Love You, right? Um, Number four would be Queen's Clearwater Revival with Green River. Number three is The Beatles' Rubber Soul. Uh, Number two is The Stooges' Self-Title. And my number one, which I think is the one of the 
best definitions to me of the 60s is uh, the Jimi Hendrix Experience, Electric Ladyland. Nice. Because Electric Ladyland, I think that was... Okay, so you hit puberty, you know, with <laughs> like the early Hendrix, are sure, you experienced, sure. right? right? You get laid for the first time whenever you listen to fucking Electric Ladyland. You know, that's <laughs> you you pop your cherry on that one. Sure. Because that one sends you through this fucking stratosphere. You know what I mean? Right. Um and there's I don't know. It just The way that he kind of wrapped up this weird, crazy trilogy that he had right here and to go into the studio like they were doing on this and fucking destroy everybody for the next. Yeah, until now, nobody's (laughs) ever. There's so many great bands at the time, you know, Zeppelin and things like that. But Hendrix was the guy that that had people get together and be like, yo. Um, you ever hear this Hendrix guy? <laughs> you know, yeah. like it was Clapton and fucking Pete Townsend, like hanging out, and they're yeah. like, "Dude, you know, <laughs> like this is fucked up, right? <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen that dude? Yeah, Jesus uh-huh. Christ! You know, he just sent shockwaves through everything, and he took everything that he had, and it was one of those things, you know, being part of the the Twenty Seven Club that I think that happens is they they put out the most perfect things you know before they pass you know and they don't need to say any more after that because imagine if uh, imagine a world with hendrix in it now yes what would he have done you know knows, electric yeah. jazz who you know? knows yeah um would he have gone straight up blues what what the fuck would he have done you know sure would he have collaborated with fucking house of pain you never know uh <laughs> it's just fucked up probably I would hope not probably yeah <laughs> I think but, that's exactly what he would have done. <laughs> but that's my personification of the 60s. That's my favorite record from the 1960s is Electric Ladyland by Jimi Hendrix and the Experience. I think everybody was just firing on all cylinders on that one. And you can't beat it. You can't destroy that. Great album. Great album. Yes. It needs to be encased in lead and shot into space so somebody else can find it and be like, Fuck. Well, I don't think what you can this? go. I don't think you can go wrong with any of his studio albums at all. No, um, no, no. But no, that makes complete sense. Like you said, that's definitely uh, next level. Um, yeah. For yeah, and I think I think the reason that I chose the other one is again because that was like really rooted my Jimi Hendrix. You know what I mean? Yep. But I totally understand where you would go with that one for specifically. Well, after I after I heard Foxy Lady, you know, um, got really into it, and then, like in speech class, I was going to do a John Lennon song, you know, Imagine, right? Sure. But it but it said "damn" in it, and my teacher was like, "You can't have a bad word in there." I was like, "Fuck," right? So, <laughs> so I did. So I did uh, uh, Foxy Lady, you know, um, which is fucking awesome. You know, made my own little guitar up and everything. And that's kind of like the beginning of my, again, like I said, I got laid, you know, (laughs) I was experienced at that point, you know, yeah, I was lying about it before. And then all of a sudden it was like, holy shit, it's really happening. (laughs) It's happening right now. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. That's my number one and your number one. What is Okay. So I had, um, I, I I kind of had some waffling right here. Um, this is the other band that makes me think of the 60s. And uh, for me, again, there's a couple albums where I'm like, maybe those should be the album. But this is the one that kind of got me into this version of the band. Because remember, I was born after the 60s. You know? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um and that's um Magical Mystery Tour from the Beatles. Tour. 
that's that's a fucking great record you know i mean even though it was like a shorter record compared and uh i mean does didn't it have full on the heel on it Um, yeah it had um well it started out with magical mystery tour and then uh, Mm -hmm. your mother should know i am the walrus the fool on the hill flying and blue jay way and i think what really set this apart for me because of course i had heard Beatles songs from albums in the 60s and you know like their early stuff um and I didn't know enough about it at the time to know when that transition break was but this was the first thing that was like this is the Beatles hold on yeah wait a minute and this was an album where like it's well known that like they spent a lot of time experimenting with different sounds and doing different things and just pushing that envelope. You know what I mean? And then right, of course, right. you know, like I, I could have chosen Abbey road, the white album, you know, any of those, mm-hmm. you know, that again, I think are probably more mainstream. Right. It. Cause this was kind of a, a critically panned, but it did was commercially successful album. But I think that's why I liked it, because it just felt so different, like they were just pushing everything they could, you know, to make something. They were, yeah, they were experimenting. Yeah, 100%. They were putting, putting shit together and being like, okay, how does this work? Right. And, you know, um, having the nothing but studio work, you know, for a musician, especially at this point where they're literally like right off the height of their everything. Um, because when did it come out? 67? Yeah, 67. So, okay. I mean, they had already made that that transition. Yeah. Right. Um, actually, is that right? It was after that? Because I know Sgt. Peppers came out in 67. And the White Album came out in 68. Revolver was 66. But it was one of the, again, it was kind of like a really weird Yeah, it came out right. It actually came out right after Sgt. Peppers. Oh, because they they did the movie. Yeah. So that was, they were like still continuing what they were doing. But again, as a kid listening, I was like, this is so different. I don't think that I, I heard songs from Sgt. Peppers, but I didn't know it as an album. You know what I mean? Yes. Yeah. That, you know, uh, again, Sgt. Peppers was the first record that you, that I listened to that was one of those where you're like, oh shit, you got to listen to the whole fucking thing because everything together. Right you know, is something that makes sense. You know, it's not like a Danzig record or anything, but this one kind of gave you that. You say not it's not like a concept. Danzig record. Yeah. <laughs> nice. <laughs> it's not because I was listening to a lot of Danzig the first time I listened to this, Okay. but I mean, you listen to it from beginning to end and you appreciate everything on it, you know? Uh, and then they go total gonzo, you know, and hit the uh, white album where you're like, Jesus Christ, right? Slow the fuck down, guys. <laughs> Jesus, you know, let's throw everything. I don't care what it sounds like. We're bored. Um, but that's a great number one. That really does fucking terminate it. You know what I mean? <laughs> I, I mean, all the Beatles records are going to be on anybody's honorable mention list for the sixties. Right. Um, I the think white you album, every album from their, from their catalog from the sixties is on there. Like if you put the top, whatever together, yes. it's on there. If it's I, a consensus love, ranking, you know? Yes. I, I, I love listening to the white album because like one disc is specifically to me, Paul, one disc is specifically, um, fucking John, you sure. know, uh, you just kind of get to see their, their personality shine on each side of it, you know, in a weird way. Right. Revolver was a continuation of uh rubber soul right. pretty much, but at the same time, it's still like fucking, I don't know. It had its own and it took me a long time to really get into, um, revolver yeah. compared, okay. you know, out of all of their records, revolver was the one that, that like really did take the longest, you know? Yeah. But I want to recap. That, though, yeah. I'll recap my list real quick. Cause I didn't do that at the beginning of my number one pick, but it was Johnny cash at Folsom prison. Uh, Jimi Hendrix. Are you experienced the velvet underground and Nico? Waiting for the Sun by the Doors, and then, of course, Magical Mystery Tour by the Beatles. Nice. And that's our top five, Brock. I have some honorable mentions if you Throw them out there, man. You have some? Yeah, Um, I've said some of them because you've mentioned them. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I was like, yeah, that was my (laughs) mention. 
um, besides any Hendrix or any Beatles records, um, uh, I'm going to say like Led Zeppelin one from 69. Sure. Jesus Christ. Uh, you kind of blow that up. Beggar's Banquet. That's actually one. I, that was one I was getting ready to mention. Yeah. Yeah. That the, the stones kind of in 69, 70, 71, they turned a corner, you know, without sure. Brian Jones, they kind of became what they are today. Um, and beggars banquet is pretty good, but you know, I think the stones in the seventies destroyed almost everybody, you know? Right. Um, of course, one of my favorite records is Booker T and the MGs green onions. You know, that fits into my top 50. Sure. Uh, I love Booker G Booker T. I mean, 100%. And then I have Otis Redding, the dock of the bay, that whole fucking CD or record is is awesome, and then of course no list is complete without a Bob Dylan record, you know. Sure. <laughs> I would have put something like Cream, but come on, Disraeli Gears is literally mm. like the poster poster record for the '60s. Sure. You know? I mean, so come on, uh, you really can't <laughs> you really can't argue that right there. If you if you see an image of the '60s, you're going to see Disraeli Gears, you know. Absolutely. So. And what a fucking great record it is. But at the same time, I mean, even the who at this point were not really hitting their stride like the Beatles did as fast. No, know? no, I agree. Uh, it took them until the 70s and they really kicked it. You know, they really destroyed it. But those are my honorable mentions. And that's all of my top five from the 1960s. Well, I think that about wraps it up, sir. I said most of mine. Yes. Like, I, I would also throw out. Uh, there was some James Brown that came out in the '60s that was pretty badass. Um, quite, right. a, you know, he had quite a few albums in there. Really didn't hit his stride for me, anyways, until probably the early '70s. Right. But there was definitely some stuff out there. Um, other than that, I think I mentioned everything. I, I think you mentioned the the Stooges. You mentioned the Stones. Um, Aretha Franklin was on my list. Uh, Credence, Willie, and the Poor Boys. Those were my honorable mentions. Right, right, so right. I think I said all those throughout the show. So with you that, didn't. I think that wraps up our uh, top five of the 1960s uh, for albums, man. Mm-hmm. And uh, you guys can uh, let us know what your top five albums from ni- from the 60s is um, over at dropculture.com. Or um, you can leave us an email at dropculturepodcast at gmail.com. Um, leave us a comment on YouTube or whatever social media you use. We're probably there. Anything else, Brock? No, I think that's it. Later, dudes. Peace.